Welcome to Al Bernstein Unplugged Unboxing. In a 40-year Hall of Fame career, Al has chronicled some of the greatest moments in boxing history. On this podcast, you get to hear him expand on those memories and talk about the current news in the sport of boxing. You also hear Al interview some of the biggest names in the sport. Here's Al Bernstein Unplugged. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of this show. And on this one, we have a very special guest, Teofimo Lopez, is going to be joining us in just a little bit. He, of course, is the IBF lightweight champion and has the mega fight coming up on October 17th with Vasily Lomachenko. Honestly, one of the most anticipated fights boxing fans have had for a while, and it should be a good one. Uh, now, we also will be taking your questions. You were all very active in sending me questions on Twitter at Al Bernstein, where you can continue to do so. And uh, we try to get as many of them in as possible. Let me uh, welcome in my co-host, my good friend, Trip Mitchell. Trip, how are you? I'm doing great, Al, and I'm excited. Uh, The Al Bernstein corporate jet, instead of flying to Connecticut, is going to be heading down to the great state of Texas. Tell me about that. Yes. It is gassed up, and and, uh, Captain Paul... (laughs) pick that out of the air I you know might as, if I if I had one I think it would be with a Captain Paul okay. I believe that's what it would be um anyway <laughs> the Jets gassed up and ready to go to San Antonio yeah it's pretty interesting uh they moved the uh uh Gervonta Davis Leo Santa Cruz fight um to uh, October 31st Halloween and uh it will be held in San Antonio at the Alamo Dome and will include live fans. That will be the first fight that will include live fans. I, I know they're going to be very careful about the way they position the um, the seating uh, to have some social distancing. Um, and we'll see how the whole thing plays out. But very excited to do that fight. Uh, and uh, I haven't decided yet what my costume will be on October 31st. Now, for I know that some snarky person is out there saying, gee, why don't you come as a sportscaster? <laughs> <laughs> well, how many boxing I, I commenta- did that before anyone else could do it. Okay. Well, good. You, you take, it, take it away. But how many other boxing commentators could ride a rodeo? You know, you, you, you've been to rodeos. You love doing it. Could you ride in? Would that be appropriate? Maybe that would be good. You know, I have to, have to see. We did once on a show, uh, ESPN Top Rank Boxing Open. We did an open in which I rode a horse. We we were up at Gardnerville um, doing the, the it was called the Cow Patty Fe- Boxing Festival, believe it or not, in Gardnerville, uh, Nevada. And you would, they would do it outdoors in this, you know, uh, just outdoor area, like a field. And uh, they came up with the idea of uh, having me on horseback and they would shoot me and Barry and it looked like Barry was on a horse, but he was on a fence. And when we got done with the open, they pulled away. I was on the horse and I said, okay, we'll see you in a little bit. And I, I raced off and Barry was sitting on the fence. He got off and walked into a limousine and then left. So that was our, that was our open to the, we used to do some wacky things on the top rank boxing. I'd like to get a hold of that open. I haven't seen that in a long time. Well, I and my advice to you is to write a book about that because that would be a heck of a story. The first years of ESPN and all the you guys were the brand ambassadors for ESPN for a lot of years before they got oh, that, the bigger sports. That's true. Well, yeah, they, they when we at the beginning it was monster trucks, tractor pulls, and boxing. So. <laughs> 
Um, and not and in I, that order. I drew the. I guess I drew the long straw because I got to do boxing, but uh, it was, uh, yeah, so it was, it was an interesting time to be sure. Yeah, and uh, we've talked before. We're going to get to the questions real quick, but you've done basketball for ESPN. Any? Did you ever want to do football for them? You know, I would have, but I didn't think, I always felt basketball was a stronger sport for me to do. I hadn't really done that much football elsewhere, and I didn't want to fail on, on that platform. So I was happy, content to do the basketball I did. Um, I, if pressed, I would have done football, but um, it would, basketball was a better fit for me, and, and I had done it before. So I, I felt, you know, more confident doing it. But it was fun. I mean, that's, a, you know, you've announced all different sports, and it, it's very, it's just college basketball is, there's nothing much more fun than that. Well, there isn't, and it, it goes real quickly. And speaking of going quickly, we've got some great questions. This is coming from David Roof, and uh, I'd be interested in your thought about what's next for the future of boxing, Jamal Charlo, versus in a matchup against Canelo. And then a second part of the question, curious if Katie Taylor might fight, uh, get a chance to fight against Armando Serrano in the future. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, of course, Katie Taylor was supposed to fight uh, Serrano, and that fight was all but made, and then it fell apart. Uh and then Taylor went on to uh, to fight and win against Pearson. And so uh, I, I think the question is, can they get past the issues that ended up surfacing with uh, Amanda Serrano? She, you know, she was not happy with, uh, with uh, Eddie Hearn and Mastery and Boxing and the way they handled everything. And so I don't know if they can get past all that, but it would be a, a terrific fight for sure. And one of the, and and I tweeted the other day that uh, Matchroom Boxing is doing a lot for women's boxing. Um, and what was the other part? And of the, the other question? part is Jamal Charlo versus Alvarez. Oh, Jamal Charlo, yeah. That was that question was that question was a minute and ten seconds ago. So how am I supposed <laughs> to be, remember that? Uh, <laughs> it was forever ago. Um, you, you know, I, now. For Jamal Charlo, he's once again, after they got the Dervianchenko match, which he won, and, and it was a terrific fight, and he fought extremely well in it. Now he's back to the same old, same old. Can he, can they figure out a way to bridge the divide between promoters and networks for him to get one of the top middleweights in the ring with him? Obviously, Canelo is what everybody wants, and, he, and Charlo and Ronnie Shields, his trainer, have made it clear they would fight at any weight. Uh, you know, up to 168 pounds uh, to face Canelo. So he'll be pushing for that fight. And, um, you know, they they hope they can get him in against the top middleweight. Okay. And uh, another women's boxing question from uh, our buddy Anthony. Why do you think it's been so tough for Clarissa Shields to get, a, to get fights? Well, you know, part of it is that her end of the woman's spectrum she's a little higher in weight class there aren't it's not as deep as it is in the lower weight classes and almost everybody that's a big name in the sport is going to have to come up a division or two to face her so she's kind of stuck in the wrong spot uh, that's a big part of it you know and so if you're going to take the you know you really it really has to be worthwhile for you to take the risk if you're, uh, you know, at a lower weight class to go all the way up to where you need to face her. She needs to hope that some more depth can be developed in her weight class. Um, 
and uh, and ho hopefully that's going to happen. Um, it's, the women's boxing's made a lot of strides, but but the place where it still has an issue is in some weight classes. There's just not a lot of depth. So uh, she's in some ways she's kind of a victim of circumstance. And you were nice enough a number of years ago to insist that I get an interview with Clarissa at the MGM when she was on the U.S. Olympic team. What a delightful young lady, and she's had an amazing career. Yeah, she's uh, helped redefine women's boxing right now, and uh, and you know uh, we've I've you know I've announced several of her fights, and it's uh, it's been a great experience. Now I have not uh, uh, called any of Teofimo Lopez's fights, however. Um, I have enjoyed them from afar, and uh, we were privileged to get a chance to have me chat with him, and uh, what I found in this interview, and I think you'll find, is, a, you know, we all know the Tiafima Lopez, who is a very flamboyant figure in the ring, sometimes outspoken out of it, but the Tiafima Lopez that you'll see in this interview, I think, is a very thoughtful and ingratiating young man, not saccharine or not per, somebody that's not saying what they think, but somebody that is really giving you thoughtful and oftentimes insightful answers. So here is our chat with the IBF lightweight champion getting ready to face Vasily Lomachenko, Tiofimos Lopez. Uh, Tio, you, um, you have been in a boxing journey since you were so young. Uh, and can you even remember a time when you weren't a boxer or can you remember a time when you didn't think you were going to be a boxer for most of your life? Um, <laughs> I remember there's a video there that my father has, I was two years old and he put on some boxing gloves on me and I was punching him in the face. <laughs> um, but I think around the time where I was anywhere from four on, I didn't think I would be boxing. You know, and um, but I, you know, I guess at the age of six, it ended up coming back to me. You know, and uh, I think that's when ever since that day, and uh, that I went into a boxing gym again and started uh, hitting the pads and stuff with the coach. Um, that's when everything changed. What age did you know and say to yourself, okay, I think this actually is going to be a profession for me. This can be something I'm gonna. Of course, you were a brilliant amateur fighter and had a great amateur career. Um, and at that point, you were probably thinking, but when was the first time you thought to yourself, maybe uh, the word boxer is going to define me as a, even in when I become an adult? Um, you know, it's, it's so tough at, a, at this time now, you know, I'm thinking about it. Just, uh, I guess I never knew, you know, I just always went and just went to competitions, big national tournaments and stuff like that in the U.S. And and went around all those areas, uh, silver gloves, golden gloves. Um, and just, you know, little by little, I guess, you know, you start realizing some things like, hey, you know, yeah, you, you can be. I guess when I, when I was, um, once I started sparring with the pros, that's when I was mm -hmm. like, you know what, I really like, I like, and I was around like 13, 14 years old. And, um, you know, and that's when I realized, I was like, you know what, you know, I think I could definitely take this to the next level. And, um, but then my confidence and everything built up throughout the years. And then by 2000, by the end of 2014, beginning of 2015, um, I just stopped getting nervous. You know, every fight that I had afterwards, um, that's when I started winning the national silver, uh, the national golden gloves. Um, 
the uh, Olympic qualifiers and outstanding male boxer the whole tournament. That was in Colorado Springs for the Olympics, uh, going for the 2016 Olympic Games. And then um, the Olympic trials I also won. And uh, I was just on the road, man. Yeah, you, well, your amateur career was extraordinary. So there's a big upside to that. And then there's, I don't want to say a downside, but you, you were so active in boxing and boxing was such a, a, a part of your life and you kept succeeding and you got into the pro ranks and you succeeded extremely well early. And that kind of put pressure on you, didn't it? It, it made life kind of a grind, I think, a little bit for you and some of the comments you've made and some of the, the features I've seen done on you. You kind of hit a little bit of a wall, didn't you, just emotionally, and you had to kind of recalibrate things, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, it takes, it's, it's overwhelming at times, you know, so I just had to learn how to um, be like water, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, right. and just uh, go along with it, understand it, and just... Uh, you know, this is only going to make me stronger. And that's what I took with it, you know. And, um, you know, we're here today, you know, a um, couple more weeks till I shock, not not the world. I'm, I'm just going to say it's when I get to let everyone know that I am the truth. You know, I am what, what I say I am, and that's the best fighter uh, of this time. Yeah, that's, of course, your fight with uh, Vasily Lomachenko. And uh, we're going to get to that in a second. Uh, you know, you and your father have taken this journey together, this boxing journey, and boxing uh, father-son teams are now um, uh, more common again in boxing. And that, Matt, that kind of pairing comes with many, many advantages and a couple of disadvantages. Um, how have you guys been able to navigate through that journey uh, with a father-son relationship that, it, that has to also be a business relationship? Yeah, you know, um, at times it could definitely be difficult. You know, um, it's never an easy road for when it's father-son duos and they're, you know, coach and boxer at the same time, you know, um, coach and fighter. You know, it, it could be diff difficult, you know, but I think it was, you know, um, I had a lot of thinking to do and I had to realize, hey, like, listen, you know, um, that's just right now he's being my coach. Right now he's just, he's proud. I'm always going to think about that, that he's always proud of me. And he's always going to push me to my to my limbs as much as I can, you know, until I can't. Um, but I think the understanding part, he knows me now where I'm very, I'm much more outspoken on a lot of things, you know, and I'll say, hey, coach, listen, like, you know, if something's bothering me, I'll be like, listen, this is bothering me. Can, can we just focus on something else? And he'll say, yeah, all right, let's do this then. And um, and it's worked throughout the years. And I think that as as we keep going on in this, in this course, in this past, like, the way we're going in this path, I think we're just going to get better and we're going to understand each other a lot more. So um, it's been great, man, um, but definitely hasn't been an easy task. It definitely yeah. hasn't. You, you had to evolve a little bit to the point where you felt more comfortable speaking out or, or just uh, saying something, because after all, it's your dad. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I had to. You know, I was like, hey, listen, when we're in here, um, you know, I call him coach. You know, when we're in the boxing, yeah. we're, we're good, in the boxing point. Gym, yeah. Yeah, so that's the only way I could be able to uh, separate the both, yeah. you know, separate the two, and that was it, you know. So I just call him coach, and hey, coach, can you can you come over here? I need this and that, and um, we work on a lot of drills and a lot of things, and and then once once we're out out of uh, out of the ring and you know out of our sport, you know, of course that's my father. Hey, dad, love you, you know, things like that, and yeah. um, it's worked. It's worked throughout that, and I had to, yeah, I definitely had to evolve in that. It sure has worked, and. 
<clears throat> your fight with Richard Comey, for uh, people that are, are hardcore boxing fans, they understand the significance of you beating Richard Comey to win a world title and the way you did it. Um, and I think for more casual fans, they need to understand that that was such a significant win because Richard Comey was an excellent, is an excellent fighter who had not ever suffered the kind of knockout defeat that you gave him. Um, that must ha ha have given you tons of confidence moving forward. Uh, Richard Comey is a tremendous fighter, absolutely has, um, and you know, it's not, and I know that he'll definitely come back to, to go for another world title shot again, you know, and I know that he'll, he'll achieve that goal. Um, you know, and he's, uh, uh, you know, fighters like that, man, of course, you know, it definitely lets you know and lets you understand that, hey, look, like, you are what you say you are, just keep doing what you're doing, so... <laughs> Um, you know, it's great, man. It's honestly, it's, uh, the way I did it too, man. And especially it being in the Mecca of boxing, Madison Square Garden. I mean, that was just tremendous. It was, it was a night to remember for sure. Hey, Al, good news. We have a great new sponsor of the show and that's my bookie. And as you and I have been involved with uh, handicapping for a lot of years, this is a great company. We're excited to have them on the show. And the good news is winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. At my bookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Rejoice! The NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action and use promo code BERNSTEIN and double your first deposit. New players get up to 1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this season for your chance to win big. Use promo code Bernstein, that's promo code Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N, and you will double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. It really was. And of course, um, it, what it has set up is um, this uh, mega match with uh, Vasily Lomachenko that you have coming up. And uh, when you think about this, this fight, um, are you thinking in terms of it being a, it's of course, it's an amazing opportunity to announce yourself to even further to boxing fans and other people. But are you thinking it could also almost be something that can end up being a little bit historic? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely historic. I mean, you have two fighters um, that are going in to become, one is going to come out undisputed world champion, um, winner takes all. And not only that, their head coaches are fathers. Yeah, good them, point. You know, so, so it's a father and son duo match, you know, on both ends. Uh, Vasily Lomachenko and his father, uh, he's been trained by his father his whole life. Myself, I've been trained with my, by my father my whole life. And, um, you know, we're only 15 fights in, him and I both. You know, the only difference is that Lomachenko has more, uh, definitely more championships due to the fact that he's a two-time Olympic gold medalist. He was able to have that, that faster route. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tremendous fight, you know, and I think everybody definitely needs to tune in to watch this. Uh, this is... This is for all the marbles, and this is definitely going to be a historic night. Uh, just us being in that ring, that moment is going to be right there alone, historic. 
your uh, your dad says the fight will end within three rounds. That you will hit him with uh, a power shot, and it's going to change the tenor uh, of the of the fight. Now I know you've talked about really wanting to get a knockout in this match. How important is it to, for you to try uh, to get that knockout, and how much will that uh, be in your thinking? Um, the thing is that I don't think about the knockout, you know, um, we say a lot of things, you know, I can say a lot that I can, hey, I'm going to knock this guy <laughs> yeah, out. You, know? you guys have been known to, to be, um, no. not exactly, uh, you know, inhibited. Of course, you're not. Um, and you know, the thing is, uh, I can say a lot of things, you know, and you know how the sport goes, anything can happen, you know, one punch can change the fight, a lot of things like that. But, you know, of course, I'm always going to be determined on, on, on the fact that I can definitely hurt a fighter. You know, and, and if that time comes where I hurt Lomachenko, I'm going to continue that pace and continue to see what else can I do to hurt him more to where um, if the fight ever comes to, to a close where he can't no longer um, stand up, then, of course, you know, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that opportunity. Um, but I never go into a fight already thinking about the knockout, because when you think about it, nine out of ten times, you don't get it. So, um, you know, I think of it as um, we're preparing ourselves for the 12 rounds. Uh, whether it goes to the decision or not, you know, um, my whole thing is uh, we stick to what I know, my game plan, and uh, we see what, what, what Lomachenko brings October 17th. One of the things that you, one of your weapons uh, is the powerful right hand. You have an amazingly powerful right hand. It's what hurt Richard Comey uh, early in the fight. And um, Lomachenko was knocked down by a right hand by Jorge Linares. Do you expect the right hand to be a, a big weapon in this fight? One thing that a lot of fighters don't, I think they may not know is that I love southpaws. I truly, truly admire and love to fight and face southpaws because this is my, my right hand is all day. It's, um, it's like the lottery. I'm just tagging <laughs> it up all day. So yeah. of course, I think that is definitely going to be one of my main um, attributes to win this fight is definitely my right hand and stuff like that. So um, just to be able to do all those things and, um, you know, we see what happens. We see what, what, what I can and cannot do against Lomachenko. I expect myself to do everything that I, I have in my mind to do. And that's what it comes to. But, yeah, I definitely see – I don't see how someone like myself I'm, – I'm not only just powerful, I'm fast and explosive. A lot of people see that, that – you know, in a in a in a second, you know, you'll see me just come with a sharp, um, a fast hook or something like that. You know, and it'll just stung him. So, um, you know, I look at it as a, it's going to be a good match, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and you're and by mentioning the right hand, it's wrong for people to get the impression that you're a one-dimensional right-handed puncher. You have a great left hook, and you have other um, a lot of other weapons. It's just that right hand is uh, uh, is special. <laughs> Um, you, so this fight really is fascinating because from your standpoint, you're 23 years old and you've had a, a very wonderful amateur career. You, you've been uh, skyrocketing as a pro, though not overnight, you know, you've had to work through all the levels as a professional. And here you are at age 23 on the precipice of winning what could be one of the most major fights of the last five or six years for sure. Wow. If you get to that summit, how do you think that's going to feel? I'm probably not going to see it for like two, three days. I'll be <laughs> honest. <laughs> uh, just so I can soak it in and take all that in. Um, you know, because one thing I always put in my mind is um, the moment I go to bed after the fight, you know, 
it's the night it's a new day you know um and it's already forgotten you know but um i think of it as uh it's definitely gonna be one to remember i'm very thankful though i honestly am i'm very thankful and very grateful the fact that i had this opportunity you know at a young age and to know that i'm um i'm at the cusp of be becoming a megastar you know um just and and th those are the things that are the key points that i'm looking at as well but most importantly, the, the passion that I have, I have for the sport, something I always dreamt about, and the fact that it's right here, um, I'm very thankful. Do you think that uh, people don't uh, have, some people have a one-dimensional view of you because you're so flamboyant and you're so uh, competitive? Um, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure. But, but the thing is that you also got to think about it. I've only been in the pro game for maybe three, three and a half years. Right. You know, so you really haven't seen much of Teofimo yet. You haven't really gotten to see. That's a good point. Yeah, you know, um, we've seen Lomachenko for the, at least for the past seven, eight years. So we've seen Lomachenko at his best, at his worst, you know, at his so-so. So, um, you know, I still have those years to, to develop, you know. That's so a really course, good point. You know? So you, you have years left to shape, uh, not that what other people think is the be-all and end-all, but you have, you have years to shape how you evolve. And after all, we all evolve as human beings all the time, don't we? Oh, absolutely. We do. You know, my mind is definitely from when I was 16 and I thought about what I wanted in my life uh, to 23 now, you know, a lot of things have definitely changed, you know, mentally, physically. Um, I'm at 135 pounds and still, you know, seven years in still. And to know that I'm only getting bigger, my, I'm getting into that to, you know, I'm starting to finally have facial hair, you know, things like that. So I'm starting to evolve and grow at, at, with time. And the fact that I'm just, um, you know, I'm still 23 years young um, and only three years, three and a half years in the game. Uh, you know, that's why my thing is that people haven't seen anything and everything yet. You know, um, how am I able to display everything that I can do just in two rounds? You know what I mean? So, um, you know, so I'm very thankful and I hope that we get to have a great fight um that way we get to showcase to the fans that what they deserve you know and uh, it's supposed to be a great amazing fight all right well you've had quite a journey that's for sure and this is uh, the peak of it i know you're uh the last year, couple years uh, that journey has um has become better and even smoother because of your wife cynthia who's come on board um has she provided you with a, a lot of additional uh, stability and um, has helped as she helped you enjoy these moments yes absolutely um, being with my wife now you know I got married at a young age of course 21 years old and not a lot of people would do that you know they tell you hey you know enjoy your youth and go out there and a lot of things but um not I don't have to follow the same path that many others may have done you know um, I do things the way I want to I do it my way like Frank Sinatra you know and um <laughs> That's just how I come to, you know, and the fact that I'm very thankful. I know who I have around and for my wife, Cynthia, you know, um, she's definitely helped me throughout this course and actually has helped me grow throughout the process. You know, not just as, um, you know, me as a fighter, I'm still growing, of course, but as a person outside of the sport, as a human being, you know, we are more than an athlete. So, you know, just being able to have the opportunity and have someone like that to support me, to cheer me up. Uh, she knows I'm my, my worst critic. She knows I'm very hard on myself. So she tries to find ways to at least let me know and to uh, remind myself that I am still doing something good. Well, you're yeah. doing a lot good. And um, 
best of luck to you in this uh, very, very historic match against Vasily Lomachenko. I really appreciate you taking the time to visit with me. No, thank you so much for having me, and I look forward to uh, many more. Indeed. Thanks very much. Thank you. So I enjoyed my chat with uh, Teofimo Lopez, and interestingly, that was the first interview I've ever done with him, uh, and uh, it was intriguing. You know, he was uh, a very interesting young man, and I think, uh, you know, he's potentially uh, on a road to superstardom. And, you know, he's taking a big chance in facing Vasily Lomachenko at this juncture in his career, but good for him. And if somehow it doesn't work out and he doesn't win that fight, he shouldn't be penalized. You know, he's a talent, super talented 23-year-old, and there's many, many great lightweights for him to face. And, uh, you know, boxing needs to take its cue from MMA. If you're an exciting fighter, get fights. Yeah, I really enjoyed last week's show, Al, where you talked about that very specific topic that in MMA, you can have a couple losses and still get mm -hmm. the big fights, whereas in boxing, they always want that goose egg. And that yeah, is there's been a little... Yeah, a little bit less of a tendency, but still it's there, and it's and it's a difficult thing. Yeah. Well, hey, by the way, we've got someone new that we're working with, your guest from a couple weeks ago, Tom Yankello, who does those amazing YouTube videos on the art of boxing, uh, is going to be airing our show on his website, and we're going to be promoting him, and I'm excited to be working with him. Yeah, Tom has uh, the World Class Boxing Channel. And one of the things that's unique about that channel is I, I said to him when I interviewed him, when I was a young amateur boxer back in the Stone Age, uh, I would have loved to, they didn't even have an internet, of course, but if they had, I would have loved to have seen a, uh, a channel like that because he's got all these great instructional videos. And if you're an amateur boxer, or even if you just enjoy the sport of boxing, they were actually very intriguing because uh, oftentimes he's talking about the styles of different fighters and how they do different things. So it's very, it's, it's entertaining and instructional, and especially for people involved in the sport. He, he really has some, some great videos, so you should check that out on YouTube. It's, it's exceptional. And he was a great guest. And, uh, of course, he'll be working in the corner of Roy Jones Jr., uh, assuming that his fight with uh, Mike Tyson comes off, which it's supposed to happen in November. <laughs> Is that an editorial comment right there? I'm simply allowing for the possibility of slippage, as my good friend uh, Phil Daly used to say when he sold uh, he sell siding. He said, sometimes there might be a little slippage in there, you know. <laughs> that sums up the sport of boxing sometimes. Yeah, it does. Okay, well, we've got another question. And, and you know, it, it is so nice when people are so generous of their time and expertise. Floyd Mayweather Jr. <laughs> has mm -hmm. offered to train Wilder for the third furry, flurry fight. Furry flight. <laughs> Easy for me to say. You'll How much there. can Mayweather add yeah. to Wilder's game in just a few months? Yeah, you know, Joe Goosen was on our, our show here some months ago, and he made the point that there was time for Deontay Wilder from the time of the last Fury fight, even including the pandemic in which, you know, there wasn't always a chance to train, but clearly people could work on things. They reached a point where you could work on things. Uh, he said, had they got, they needed to get right back in the gym and fix things. And that there was enough time for him to even learn new things, enhance who he is, etc. But that time is gone now. 
the, the time has gone away. Now, whether he did that or not, we don't know. We know that he fired his trainer, Mark Breland, his co-trainer, and JD's is left. Um, and we don't know if he's going to add somebody else, let alone Floyd Mayweather. That fight is probably not going to be held in December. Maybe it actually could be earlier because it was December 19th. Now it could be held earlier in December or it would be pushed to January. So the time frame isn't as huge as it was. And if, if, if I was forced to give an opinion on whether it's better to go find another trainer see what you can do in three months to kind of tweak things and whatever. I don't know if it just doesn't make more sense for him to go with JDs who has been there working with him and bring somebody in just to be helpful and just go with the horses that brung you, even though one of the horses that brung you isn't there anymore, Mark <laughs> Breland, who was a very talented trainer. I don't know. You know, it's a very tricky dilemma. And uh, somebody like Floyd Mayweather, who I believe is going to get more and more interested in training. I think this is, could be a passion for him. Um, I, but I don't know if bringing them in at the short notice makes sense. So quick question for you. Uh, of boxers who had great careers and then became trainers, any thoughts on that? In Yeah, very few, very few great boxers have become trainers. Eddie Mustafa Muhammad is one of the very few champions who became a great trainer. There have been very, very few great champions. Isn't that strange? You'd think there were, it's no different than, you know, a lot of great players didn't become managers for a long period of time or great hitting instructors. Um, and people always point to Ted Williams and say that, you know, his, his results in both cases were mixed, even though he was one of the greatest hitters of all time. Part of it was he couldn't understand why people couldn't do what he did. Um, but, uh, I, you know, uh, there have been very few great champions that became great trainers. Eddie is one of the very few. And Mark Breland was a very accomplished fighter during his day. Well, Mar and Mark would be an example. But Mark was a great amateur. He was a good pro. Yep. Uh, but he wasn't a great pro. He did win a world championship. Uh, and, and he was, but he was, he was certainly a brilliant amateur. And a good actor. Yes, that's right. He was also an actor. Yeah, so, you know, we, you, you and I go way back with our references. Yeah, right, yes. Oh, well. <laughs> we date ourselves. So could you talk about the Norton Holmes historic legendary heavyweight championship match? And then a second part, which we might get to first, then I'll remind you of the first. <laughs> or a dream fight between Foreman and Holmes in their primes. Okay, who sent us that one? Oh, that was uh, Paul Driscoll. I'm sorry. I, you know, I ah, get a go. dollar from Paul right, every time so I mention for, his name. This is for Paul. Well, I, you know, the Norton Holmes fight, which I went to uh, covering it for Boxing Illustrated uh, magazine many, many years ago, uh, was one of the best heavyweight championship fights, I think, of all time. And they battled for 15 rounds. It came down literally to the last round. The first part of the fight, Holmes controlled. In round five, round six, I think it was, Kenny Norton looked at Bill Slayton, his manager, and he said, now it's my turn. And in fact, the middle rounds, Kenny Norton really turned it up. We got to round 15, and they produced a round 15 that is one of the best uh, rounds of boxing you will ever see. And if you, you, So when you're done here, and only when you're done here, go on YouTube and find, uh, find that uh, round of boxing. It's, it's extraordinary. I thought Kenny Norton won the 15th round, and thus, and it came down to that. 
Had he gotten it onto the scorecards, he would have won by one point. He ended up losing uh, by one point uh, on two of the scorecards, I believe. And it was an extraordinary fight. And uh, Holmes took Kenny Norton's uh, world championship. And of course, Larry Holmes, a terrific fighter who went on to have a great reign as champion. But those two men uh, produced an astonishing fight. Uh, Lyle and he wants to talk about Lyle and Foreman also. Yeah, uh, Dr- Foreman Holmes. If if that fight. Oh, Foreman Holmes. Oh, yeah. wh- oh, about the idea of it never happening. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. If in their yeah, prime. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Now they George was out for a while. Uh, when Larry was in his prime, George wasn't fighting for quite a while. But then when George came back, uh, you know, it, uh, yeah. I mean, they could have fought. The timing wasn't perfect for them. And uh, and it never seemed to be the right time and the right moment for those two fighters to get together, both in terms of when he was away from the sport and uh, and then when he came back, Holmes was older. It it could have happened, but uh, somehow it just never did. Yeah. And, and just uh, on a personal aside, if you could go to any fight, would you rather cover it as a journalist and not announce it so you can enjoy it more, or would you rather be calling the fight? Which which is better that's for good, you? That's a that's a good question. Now, I think if I was going to go to a that's a really good question. Um, I think if I was going to let's say I could all of a sudden go back in time and be at the Johnson Jeffries fight. Of course, they didn't have I don't think they even, they didn't have radio or TV for that. Of course, or, or something along those lines. Um, I think I'd rather be a crowd member uh, with a good seat, hopefully, um, and uh, and kind of just enjoy it. You know, uh, I, I think that would be more fun than even than working it, because then you you truly can sit back and take in the moment and, uh, and enjoy it. As a print journalist, how do you when you were covering for the magazines early in your career, do you do things differently? Do you write notes? How do you do that? Yeah, I just made notes, you know, on uh as the fight went on and a little extra, you know, and then you take them all together and uh, put together your story on it. And then, of course, you do the quotes afterwards where you interview people. But, yeah, you've, I mean, you, you, and that, too, you're not just sitting there as a fan. You're busy taking your notes and getting ready to do your story. So there's plenty to do. Yeah. And then our final question, Jason Archuleta asks, uh, Al, talk about that crazy scene in Puerto Rico. Didn't you get hit? By a water bottle. Yeah, that was the first fight between Juan Manuel Lopez and Orlando Salido, who, by the way, Orlando Salido actually holds a win over Vasily Lomachenko in a foul, foul infested fight in which Salido fought a very dirty fight, but end up getting a decision in like that. I think the second fight Lomachenko fought as a pro, he's fighting Orlando Salido, which is amazing. Um, but Orlando Salido, this was when he won uh, the title, uh, featherweight title against uh, Juan Manuel Lopez. Juan Manuel, Juan Manuel Lopez was a big star, and we went to Puerto Rico and for this fight, and it was very exciting. The match was extremely exciting, and then Salido started really taking control. And when he, when the referee stopped the fight. Though I believe Salido probably would have knocked him out, maybe not, maybe later that round, maybe in another round. I mean, he was really, Lopez was really hurt. But the stoppage was a teensy bit short, or quick, I should say. And, 
of course, these were Puerto Rican fans who are watching their hero. They think kind of get deprived of his chance to maybe come back in the fight. And of course, things erupted. And uh, as often as the case, items started being thrown at the ring. You know, uh, as I said in my book, you know, when fans get mad, they 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 pick up whatever the nearest thing they can, water bottles, um, uh, sandwiches, their spouses, anybody, you know, <laughs> and throw them at the at the ring. And um, they uh, we were sitting there and I was doing a replay of the of the the uh, the knockout. And ironically, I was saying that it might have been just a little bit quick. And right around that same time, I got hit right here with a full water bottle. So I understand that I, I'm assuming they were not aiming for me. I'd like to believe that, that they were just distressed. And so I got you know, that big cut opened up and, and I was like dazed. And um, and so I was like, I took my headphones off and I was like sitting back trying to gain my perspective. And uh, and Gus Johnson, who was doing the play-by-play, who's given the theatrics anyway, said, my partner has been hit. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd been hit by a sniper rifle or something. And um, and so we got through the broadcast. We were right toward the end. Uh, now, here's the funny thing. You'll appreciate this being in uh, television, and, and maybe other people will understand how single-minded the purpose becomes when you're doing TV. I got done with this show, and I used to do these wrap-ups uh, that would look back at the for the internet and for other places for Showtime, as we look back at the at the fights. Well, I've got a big gash on my above my right eye, and I'm woozy. And the 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 young uh, you know uh, uh, assistant to the guy that does the the all the features and everything comes up to me and said, "Okay, are you ready to do the the uh, the recap of the fight?" <laughs> I looked at him and I said, do I look like I'm ready to do a recap of the fight? <laughs> no, I'm not ready to do the recap. I said, I don't think I'm going to be ready the rest of this evening to do a recap of the fight because I'm just going to go over here and see if I can stop the bleeding on my forehead and see if I remember my name. <laughs> so they were they were disappointed that I couldn't do the recap. Did, did Showtime but travel was, with a cut man? I mean, it, from then on in? I mean, No, there was no – no, I managed to – it turned out it didn't need any stitches, even though it was it was a pretty good cut. But uh, so yeah, and um, and I got a lot of response from Puerto Rican fans who heard about it and they were so distressed. But I said, no, don't worry, I'm not angry at you. You got mad because your guy didn't get. Uh... But the irony of it was I was agreeing with them when I got hit with the bottle. So um, anyway, uh, this has been a fun show, and uh, next week we will have Leo Santa Cruz on the show, and he's going to talk about. His upcoming fight with Javante Davis, uh, and uh, that's set for October 31st. And you know, I'm open to any suggestions. If any of you want to send me, a, 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 you know, a tweet at Al Bernstein, if you think you have an idea for some tasteful way in which I can look like I have a costume on, uh, you know, that's going to have to be very tasteful because I don't think Showtime's going to go for full costumes. <laughs> but since it's on Halloween. You know, I can't wear a mask. I don't think that would work. But maybe something, something in my lapel, maybe to, uh, you know. Well, or, or I, I think you should I'll ride think... into the shot. I think uh, recreate that from uh, many, many yeah, years ago. Yeah, that would ago. be good. 
She talked them into it. I'll wear my, see if I can resurrect that Western tux I used to wear and put it on. Okay. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll uh, enjoy seeing you. And uh, a reminder to you also, please uh, make sure you uh, frequent our television version of uh, Al Bernstein Unplugged, uh, which is on the Fight Network, U2 America, um, 11 Sports, um, the Family Channel, the Action Channel, and many other outlets as well. So look for your local listings and uh, check it out and, uh, and see if you can, uh, you can look at our TV show, which uh, we're very proud of. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time.